Take your Bible and turn with me, please, to Genesis chapter 3, and that'll be the first book in the Bible. And in just a moment, we'll read verse 1 and following. This morning, we continue our series on spiritual warfare, and I want to say this to you. The moment you become a Christian, several things happen. You begin your spiritual journey as a child of God. The blood of Christ cleanses you from all sin. You become a pilgrim in this world. You're just passing through. This world is not your home. And you're baptized into Christ by the Holy Spirit who comes to live within you and dwell within you. Your name is written indelibly in the Lamb's Book of Life. And you become part of the church of Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking about a denomination. I'm talking about his universal church where all people who have repented of their sins and believe in Jesus, regardless of what denomination they go to, they're part of his ecclesia, his called out once. Ek, out of. Kaleo, called. Ecclesia, called out once. And that's who we are in Christ. And you become a resident of a supernatural, spiritual family. But something else spiritual happens the moment you become a Christian. And that is, you gain an invisible, spiritual adversary, an enemy that the Bible calls the devil or Satan. Satan is real. Satan is real. Many preachers today don't believe in a literal Satan. They believe in evil, but they don't believe in the evil one. Well, I have news for you. The evil one loves that because he doesn't want you to believe in him. He likes to be subtle, and he is sly, but he is deadly, and he is destructive. He is Lucifer, is what the King James called him in Isaiah's gospel, that is the day star, the one who outwardly shines, but inwardly he is filled with darkness. He hates Jesus Christ. Satan hates every follower of Jesus Christ. He is not divine. He is not God. He is not omnipresent. He is not omniscient. He is certainly not omnipotent. He can't be everywhere at the same time. He doesn't know everything, and he's not all powerful. He is powerful. But he is also wreaking havoc throughout the world. I believe he was one, at one time, one of the archangels. Some people believe there's only one archangel. The Bible's not clear on it, but I believe he was one. And probably because he was in that position, it was such a fall when he sinned by wanting people to worship him. He was beautiful and he was powerful. And he worshiped Almighty God at one time, but he came, became enamored with himself and he rebelled against God. And when he did, he fell and took one third of the angels with him and they became the enemies of God. At the end of the age, God will cast Satan and every demon into the lake of fire. But until then, we are in a war. We're in a war against our fleshly nature. How many of you know that 
We are our own problem. Does anybody know that? Yeah. And then we're also in a war with our sinful world. That evil world system that is anti-Jesus, anti-Bible, anti-gospel. And we are in a war with Satan and his demons. I was just thinking, you know, do we ever sing anything that refers to the devil? Well, I thought of three hymns that talk about the devil. Martin Luther, back in 1529, wrote these words. And though this world with devils filled shouldn't threaten to undo us, we will not fear for God has willed his truth, that is Christ's truth, to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, there's the devil. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him, his rage we can't endure, for lo, his doom is sure, one little word shall fell him. That's the word is Christ. It's a mighty fortress is our God. And then about 300 years later, Charity Lees Smith wrote these words, when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made of end an end of all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the, ju for God the just is satisfied to look on Jesus and to pardon me. Aren't you glad that even though Satan tempts us to despair, Jesus is praying for us? And then one of the most famous songs that refers to Satan is by the man who wrote 10 years later after Charity Lee Smith wrote Before the Throne of God. In 1873, Horatio Spafford wrote these words, Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. It is well. Amen. Well, what does the Bible say about Satan? Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast. Let's read this together. I, I want you all to read with me. Here we go. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. Let's pray together. Father, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts, be acceptable in thy sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And Lord, we praise you for the word of God. We pray that every demonic spirit be bound from this time and this place and this sermon in the name of Jesus, and we give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Let the only spirit to operate here today be the Holy Spirit of God. And all God's people said, amen. Well, let's start off talking about the fact of Satan. The fact of Satan. Satan is real even if you don't believe in him. That's what he wants. He doesn't want to be believed in. He wants to operate undercover. And so Satan is real. And people throughout Scripture believed in Satan. He is not a myth. He is a menace. He is real. Adam and Eve believed in Satan. If you could go to them in heaven right now and say, do you believe in Satan? Oh, boy, did he do a number on us. 
Genesis 3, we read a moment ago. I'll go down through verse 7. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, indeed has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. You know what? Anytime a professor in a college says, did God really say that? He's the tool of the devil. Questioning the word of God is the first temptation that we see in the Bible. That's the first thing he does. He questions the word of God. The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. Now he's not just questioning, he's denying the word of God. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, you'll be like God, you'll know good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, that the tree was desirable to make one wise, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise. She took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. Notice how enticed Eve and Adam were by the devil. He enticed them to disobey God. And the result was that all of the human race has fallen into sin. If you could go to Adam and Eve right now and say, do you believe in the devil? They say, oh, yes, we do. And we're so sorry for what we did. Adam and Eve believed in Satan, and you and I should too. Jesus believed in Satan. Jesus believed in Satan. Matthew 4, the famous temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. He'd been fasting for 40 days. He was hungry. The Bible says that Satan came and he tempted him. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Verse 8 says... Again, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I'll give to you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, go, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. Jesus was not dealing with a concept of evil Jesus was dealing with the evil one. He was engaged in warfare. He was fasting. He was praying. And he was quoting scripture. That's how you engage in spiritual warfare. You fast. You pray. You live in scripture. And you quote it. And you use it as the sword of the spirit. Jesus believed in Satan. And you and I should too. Paul believed in Satan. The apostle Paul wrote a third of the New Testament. And my favorite verse that he has, he has many verses about the devil, but my favorite one is Romans 16, verse 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Paul said that God will crush Satan under a Christian's feet. I think he's referring back to Genesis 3, verse 15. When God said to Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise you on the head, you shall bruise him on the heel. 
And he's talking about Jesus there. He said, you're going to bruise Jesus on the hill, but he is going to bruise you on your head. He's going to destroy you. He's going to take you down. He's going to give you a lethal blow. And he's saying here that he's going to crush you. He's going to crush you. I believe that's what Paul had in mind when he said, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Paul believed in Satan, and you and I should too. Jesus believed in Satan, or James believed in Satan, rather, sorry. This is the brother of Jesus. He says these famous words in James 4, verse 7, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Let's all say that together. Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. As the senior pastor of the first church ever to exist, the church at Jerusalem, the brother of Jesus Christ, James, believed in Satan. He said, here's what you do if you want to defeat the enemy. You submit to God and you resist the devil. You submit to God and you resist the devil. Say it with me. You submit to God and you resist the devil. Resist. And this to me, to set yourself up against someone in battle, to come across them. It's the one-on-one -on -one drill, guys. Remember that? It's the one-on-one -on -one drill. It's you and the opponent. It's you and the adversary. And you set yourself up. You throw your weight against them. That's exactly what it means. It's a verb of violence. It's, it means to push back against the opposition. It means you don't have to take the devil's stuff anymore. A lot of Christians just say, well, I'm just going to ignore the devil. You know, if you're playing football and you ignore a 325-pound offensive tackle, he will rip your head off. Amen? I'm telling you, you can't ignore the devil. You got to resist him. You got to come up against him. You got to throw the weight of the word against him, the weight of the name of Jesus against him, and you've got to do it. You got to say, I'm not going to continue. Enough is enough. I'm not going to take the devil's stuff anymore. Enough is enough. I'm tired of living in fear. I'm tired of living in discouragement. I'm tired of living in resentment and unforgiveness and anger and hopelessness and guilt and remorse and self-pity and lust and greed and selfish ambition. I'm sick and tired of being the devil's punching bag. I'm ready to fight back. I'm going to submit to God. I'm going to resist the devil. And the Bible says, God says, he has to flee. I'm going to set myself up against Satan in battle. I'm going to throw the weight of the word against the devil. I'm going to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from me, from my family, from my church in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. James believed in Satan, and you and I should too. And then Peter believed in Satan. Peter believed in Satan. 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9. Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, everybody say that together. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith. Firm in your faith. Peter referred to Satan 
as the adversary of every Christian. Adversary. Antitokos. Opponent. Adversary in a lawsuit. You say defendant or plaintiff. It could be either. Satan is always the enemy, the foe, the antagonist of Christians. He prowls. He prowls. He roars. He growls like a lion on the hunt. He's prowling. He's slinking around. He's walking around. He's up to no good. He's growling. He's trying to intimidate you and freeze you with fear. If he can get you to be afraid, he can take you down just like a lion. That's why a lion roars is to make its prey so afraid that they're petrified and all of a sudden he can pounce on you instead of you standing firm against him. What's the solution? How do you get out of that freezing, that immobilization? How do you not allow the lion to destroy you and your family and your church? You resist him. You fight back. You resist him. In your faith, you stand against him. You can't resist Satan in somebody else, with somebody else's faith. You can't say, well, husband, go get him. No, no, no. Wife, you've got to resist him. You can't say, mom and dad, go get him. No, you've got to resist him. You can't say, well, deacon, you go get him. No, no, no. You've got to resist him. You've got to resist him. You say, but I'm so weak. I don't have much faith. I love Charles Spurgeon. I've been to his graveside a couple of times in London, and he said he was the pastor of the Metropolitan Baptist Tabernacle in London in the 1800s. When he died, a quarter of a million people lined the streets of London as his wagon with his, his uh, casket on it went by to be buried. And he said, listen, little faith, Great heart is God's child, but you are God's child too. The weak Christian is just as much a child of God as a strong one. He whose name is the least in the kingdom of heaven is as much the child of God as he who stands among the king's mighty men. If then you would live to Christ's glory and be happy in his service, seek to be filled with the spirit of adoption more completely until perfect love cast out all fear. If you want to read more about that, I love his little evening and morning uh, devotional. It's on March the 18th. You, even if you've got a little faith, God still wants to work in your life. Amen. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, but resist him firm in your faith. Peter believed in Satan, and you and I should too. John believed in Satan. John, the apostle who lived longer than all the other apostles. 1 John 5, 19. We know that we are of God and that the whole world, this evil world system, lies in the power of the evil one. There is an evil. We're supposed to love the people of the world. We're supposed to love the terra firma, the globe. But we're not supposed to love the evil world system that is anti-Jesus. I'll just read the first of two verses with you, all right? The first part of Romans 12, 2 says this, do not be conformed to this world. Say it with me. Do not be conformed to this world. What world? The evil world system that hates the gospel of Jesus Christ, that hates the church of Jesus Christ, and who hates Christ itself. 
the evil world system. And then 1 John 2, 15, I'll just read the first verse, part of the verse. Read it with me, please. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. Don't love this evil world system that is against God. Don't do it. Don't do it. Oh, John believed in Satan, and you and I should too. That should pretty much give you the fact of Satan. He is no myth. He is real. Now, let's look at some features of Satan, and I've got several of those. Some features of Satan, and first of all, he was created. He is not divine. He was created as an angel. I believe that when the prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel 28, referenced the king of Tyre, it's obvious to me that his comments about the king of Tyre applied not only to the earthly king, but also to the devil. And I believe it's because the king of Tyre had the spirit of the devil in him. I believe he had that spirit of Antichrist that we see in so many of the leaders over the centuries. I believe Hitler had the spirit of Antichrist in him. The Bible says there are already many spirits of Antichrist in the world. And I believe the the leader here, the king of Tyre, he was a king, but he was also a demonized, devil-filled person. And I believe the Bible starts talking not only to the king, but to the devil in the king when he says these words. Again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation over the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God who you had the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The ruby, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the lapis lazuli, the turquoise, the emerald, the gold, the workmanship of your settings and sockets was in you. On the day that you were created, notice that, Satan is created, They were prepared. You were the anointed cherub who covers. And I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. Now let's just lay it out on the table here. The king of Tyre was not perfect. He was not full of wisdom. He was not perfect in beauty. And he sure wasn't in Eden, the garden of God. And he was not an anointed cherub in heaven who covers And he was not on the holy mountain with God. This had to be talking about Lucifer, the devil. Satan was there. He was all those things. He was created. He's a creature. He is not divine. He is not God. And he should not never be worshiped, ever. Satan was created. Satan also committed the original sin. You said, no, even Adam didn't. No, they didn't. Satan did. Satan existed before Adam and Eve, and he sinned before they did. Satan committed the original sin, and it was pride. That was the original sin, pride. Isaiah 14, 12 through 14, and this is from the New Living Translation. How you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, Hebrew word, Hallel. And that's where you get the word in the King James, Lucifer, shining one, day star, son of the morning. You've been thrown down to the earth. You've 
who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven. I'll set my throne above God's stars, that is his angels. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest mountains and I'll be like the most high. Can't you hear the devil there? He committed that original sin. He was so proud. We also read about that in Ezekiel 28, verses 15 and following. You were blameless in your ways. From the day you were created, notice, he was created until unrighteousness was found in you. By the abundance of your trade, you were in, internally filled with violence. You sinned. Therefore, I have cast you as profane from the mountain of God. I've destroyed you, O covering cherub. Again, that king was no cherub. He was no angel. From the midst of the stones of fire, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I put you before kings that they may see you. By the multitude of your iniquities and the unrighteousness of your trade, you profaned your sanctuaries. Therefore, I have brought fire from the midst of you. It has consumed you. I have turned you to ashes on the earth in the eyes of all who see you. All who know you among the peoples are appalled at you. You have become terrified. You will cease to be forever. Satan rebelled in pride against God, sought to be worshiped, and God kicked him out of heaven. He committed the original sin. Another feature of Satan is this. He's a liar. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 44, you are of your father. He's talking to these people. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father, that is the devil. He, the devil, was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, Jesus said, he speaks from his own nature. And then he says this so clearly, Satan, he is a liar and the father of lies. Can't you hear his lies in our culture? A little baby in a womb is not a human being. You weren't assigned your gender at conception. Where do those lies come from? There are multiple ways to God. Jesus is not the only way. A lie. A little sin won't hurt you. Everybody's doing it. Go ahead. A lie. You don't need to go to church. Take the day off. You deserve some rest, a lie. God never wants you to pamper yourself. He wants you to discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Satan's a liar and the father of lies. Another feature of Satan, he's deceptive. Oh, he's deceptive. Paul said that Satan... Deceives through false prophets. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 13 and following. For such men are false prophets, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it's not surprising if his servants, that is, these false prophets, also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. John, the Apostle John, said that one day Satan will deceive the whole world during the Great Tribulation. Revelation 12, verse 9, And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old who is called the devil, and Satan who deceives the whole world, 
He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. Satan is deceptive. And then another feature, Satan is a thief, a thief. John 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus said, but don't get me mixed up with him. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. That is the most clear distinction between Jesus and Satan in the Bible. Satan steals from you. He steals, if you'll let him, your innocence. He'll steal your peace of mind if you'll let him. He'll steal your reputation. He'll steal your marriage. He'll steal your family. He'll steal your wealth. He'll steal your children. He'll steal your, he'll heal, he'll steal your wealth and your health and your time and on and on. And once he steals from you, then he will turn around and kill and destroy. Satan, oh, how terrible he is. He is a thief. And then Satan is the accuser, the accuser. You ever feel guilty sometimes? You don't even know what you've done. You're just going around feeling guilty. What is that? That's the devil accusing you, accusing you. He accused Job, the most righteous man on the planet. I got news for you. If the devil accuses Job, he's sure going to accuse you and me. Job 2, the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? For there's no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man fearing God, turning away from evil. And he still holds fast his integrity, although you enticed me against him to ruin him without cause. Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin. Yes, all that a man has, he will give for his life. However, put forth your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh. He will curse you to your face. There's the accuser of the brethren right there. So the Lord said to Satan, behold, he's in your power. Only spare his life. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord, smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. There's another man that uh, you don't know as much about, Joshua, not Joshua who followed Moses, but Joshua the high priest. He's mentioned in several places in the Bible, and we read about him in Zechariah chapter 3, and the devil is before the throne of God accusing this man of God to the Lord. Now listen to this. Zechariah 3, first four verses. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of God and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Don't you love that description of a man of God? He's just a, a brand plucked out of the fire. Donna yesterday started a fire in our backyard, but it was in a fireplace, so don't worry. And there were little coals all around. That's what he's talking about. He's, he's, a, he's a firebrand plucked from the fire. That's all you are if you're a Christian. You're just a firebrand that Jesus reached in the fire and pulled you out. You deserved to be in that fire, but God pulled you out by his grace. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and standing before the angel, he spoke 
and said to those who were standing before him, saying, Remove the guilty, filthy garments from him. And he said to him, See, I have taken away your iniquity from you and will clothe you with festal robes. Oh, don't you know that old Joshua was saying, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Even though I'm just a brand plucked from the fire, even though I've got on these dirty clothes of sin, Jesus has come and he is my advocate. The adversary has put me down. The accuser has put me down. Oh, but my advocate Jesus stepped in and gave me robes of righteousness. I'm telling you, that'll make a Baptist preacher shout on Sunday morning. Amen. That's good stuff. Amen. And then Revelation 12, verse 10 shows Satan is the accuser. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God, the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before our God day and night. Who is that? It's constantly making you feel bad about yourself. Who is that? Even when you try to do your best, that you feel like you're just a little bit short. Who is that accusing you of sins that you have repented of years ago and been forgiven of and you know that you've been forgiven and yet they're brought to your mind? Who's doing that? The accuser of the brethren. His name is Satan and he is real. And then another feature, Satan is the tempter. He's the tempter. He's two-faced. He's slick. He's sly. He's a smooth operator. He tempted Eve. Remember that? Genesis 3, 4 through 6, the serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes are going to be open. You'll be like God. Knowing good and evil, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate and gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. And then King David was tempted by the devil. You say, oh yeah, Bathsheba, that wasn't, that wasn't the sin that caused the most people to die. It was his sin of pride that made the most people die. 70,000 to be exact. When the devil, the Bible says in 1 Chronicles 21 verse 1, stood up against Israel and moved or tempted David to number Israel. You know what scares me about a lot of people in church? They're always wanting to know how many showed up. How many did you have in your class today? How many did you have in your group today? How many did we have in worship today? I don't even want people to count because I don't want to know because I don't want any pride about that. That scares me. You know what? It doesn't matter. No offense. I'm glad you're here, but what does it matter if you show up and he doesn't show up? Amen? I want God to show up. And if God shows up, guess what? He'll get the people there. Don't worry about the numbers. Just get God in the house and you'll have all the numbers you need. Amen. Don't be counting numbers all the time. Unless you're on a youth trip and you're trying to bring some back, all right? <laughs> I just thought, I, you know, I, I used to tell the parents, I'm leaving with 42, I'll come back with 42, I hope it's the same 42, all right? <laughs> all right. 
<laughs> Satan even tempted Jesus. Luke 4, Jesus full of the Holy Ghost, returned from the Jordan, was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during the, those days. And when he had ended it, he became hungry. He was tempted by the devil. Satan is a tempter. Satan is also, he blinds human minds. Oh, I've seen this. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. I have seen people sit in a sermon and be blinded to the gospel, even though the gospel was presented. It's like the devil put a blindfold on their soul and they could not hear the word of God. Some of you might be like that right now. Satan blinds human minds. He also causes some sickness, physical sickness. Bible says in Luke 13, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. There was a woman who for 18 years had a sickness caused by a spirit, a pneuma asthenia. Pneuma, a spirit of weakness, a sickness caused by a spirit. And she was bent double, could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her over, said to her, woman, you're freed from your sickness. He laid hands on her. Immediately she was made erect. She began glorifying God, but the synagogue official, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, began saying to the crowd in response, there are six days in which work should be done. So come during them and get healed, not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered and said to him, you hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead him away to water? And this woman, a daughter of Abraham as she was, whom Satan had bound for 18 long years, should she not have been released from this bond on the Sabbath day? And he said this, as he said this, all his opponents were being humiliated. And the entire crowd was rejoicing over all the glorious things being done by him. She had a spirit of weakness. Again, pneuma asthenia, a demon that caused a disease. All people who are sick are not demonized. But all people who are demonized are sick. They have some type of medical problem. And the devil can cause certain sicknesses. And then Satan rules the evil world system that Christians are told to hate. He rules the evil world system. That's what I've talked about earlier. Jesus said in John 12, 31, now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world. This evil world system will be cast out. John 14, verse 30, I will not speak much more with you for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. We're told to hate the, the evil world system that is anti-Jesus. Romans 12, verse 2, don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove or discern what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. 1 John 2, 15 and following, don't love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All that's in the world, 
the lust of the flesh, the lust of the, of the eyes, the pride of life, boastful pride of life. It's not from the Father. It's from the world, the evil world system. And the evil world system, the world is passing away and also it's lust. But the one who does the will of God forever will live forever. And then Satan is a defeated foe. A defeated foe. I'll just read one verse to you. 1 John 3, 8. The one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose. Read it with me. To destroy the works of the devil. Prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word from Jesus will fail him. Those are some features of Satan. Now, I want to end because I'll just, I'll just, we're just going to fill in some blanks here. I don't have time to cover all the ins and outs of these, this last part, but I do want to give it to you. We've talked about the fact of Satan, some features of Satan, and finally, I want to give you the future of Satan. If there is a worshiper of Satan listening to this message right now, this is what God says is the future of Satan. And this is for all of us. Listen in. Satan will rule on earth through the Antichrist. After the rapture, it's going to be seven years of great tribulation on this earth. And during that time, Satan will rule on earth through the Antichrist. Read Revelation 13, verse 4 with me. The beast is Antichrist. The dragon is the devil. Read it with me. They worshiped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worshiped the beast saying, who is like the beast and who is able to wage war with him? Satan is going to rule on earth through, by means of, Antichrist. Satan will wage war against Christ. Satan will wage war against Christ. Read Revelation 20, verses 7 and 8 with me, please, from the screen. When the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, together to gather them together for the war. The number of them is like the sand of the seashore. Somehow he's going to talk millions of people into following him and war against Christ. But it's not going to be much of a war. The war is described in the next verse, and that is Revelation 20, Verse 9, Satan will be defeated by Christ. Satan will be defeated by Christ. Revelation 20, verse 9. Read it with me from the screen now. And they came up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, and fire came down from heaven and devoured them. There's the war. Fire came down from heaven and devoured them. Now, is that all for Satan? No. Satan will be cast into hell. Satan will be cast into hell. Read the very next verse in Revelation 20, 
verse 10. Let's all stand up. I think it's time to stand up. You say, well, I'm not through writing. Well, you can write when you stand up. I've been standing up the whole time. I wish I had a chair. I'd sit down. No, I wouldn't. Don't bring me a chair. I don't want a chair. Let's read Revelation 20, verse 10 together. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are also, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's the future of Satan. Now, let me just tell you what, what we're in. We are in kind of like what the world was in in World War II in 1944 and 1945. June the 6th, 1944 was D-Day. That's when America and our allies invaded France to go and destroy Hitler in Germany. They took the beaches at Normandy and other places, and the end of the war was decided. It just had to be occupied. We were there, and the victory of gaining that ground assured us of winning the war. Hitler was a doomed foe, but it took 11 months from D-Day to V-E-Day, which was the victory of Europe. And it occurred on May the 8th, 1945, when Germany unconditionally surrendered to the U.S. and our allies. Now, why do I tell you that? When Jesus died on the cross for our sins... And when Jesus rose from the dead, that's our D-Day. That's our D-Day. Jesus stormed the enemy's camp. And he took the keys. And he came out of the grave and said, I am Lord. And for 2,000 years... We've been battling the devil. But praise the living God, Jesus is coming back, and that is V-E day. Jesus is coming back. Amen? Amen. Now, before y'all think I'm all smart, Donna gave me that illustration. Amen? She said, hey, I was reading something. I said, oh, I, th I might use that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for Donna is right. Amen. Thank you for Jesus too. Amen. Aren't you glad? Now look, all we have to do now is in our sphere of influence, take the ground back. How do you do that? Through prayer, through fasting, through living a godly life, standing firm, praying over your kids, praying over your family. I can remember doing a spread eagle over kids' beds when they weren't doing right. You don't just spank them. You pray for them.
You fast for them. You cry out to God. You get between them and the Lord, but you also get between them and the devil. And you fight for your family. And you fight for your church. And you fight for the kingdom of God. The prince of darkness, Grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can't endure. Lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fail him, and that is the name of Jesus. And I want us to shout it out. I want us to shout the greatest name there is. I want us to shout it not just from our voice, but I want us to shout it from our spirit. And I want us to let everybody know in this room and in the heavenlies that we love Jesus Christ. In fact, I don't want us just to say Jesus. I want us to say Jesus is Lord as loud as we can. I don't care if you leave my microphone on. I don't care. I, I, I just want us to shout it. On we're going to say, Jesus is Lord. Amen. That's going to be our declaration. Let's say it on three. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord. Let's give him praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen.